Christmas. You're listening to Entertainment Landfill. Film, television, pop culture. It's where you find it. Come out to the coast, we get together, have a few laughs. have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy. Yippee-ki-yay, mother... everyone welcome again it's time for another nowhere a mulberry nim movie mini and this time we're gonna go back to 1988 july 15th 1988 that is and we're going to see die hard yes i am the jaystrom and this is bill mulberry bill to be exact how's it going bill uh it's going well now die hard that's one of those huge summer action movies that at the time, I remember being really excited about just by seeing the Entertainment Tonight stories on, like, Bruce Willis has paid $5 million to make this action movie. And I don't remember, there was some kind of actor's thing going on where the, the studio got Bruce Willis involved because they couldn't get a big-name actor at the time. And I remember it was, like, some kind of record-setting, like, they paid him $5 million to make the movie. Because just up until that point, he was just a TV guy. He was the guy from Moonlighting. Yeah, and we, that was like appointment TV watching in my family. Like, uh, my, my dad and my sisters, we'd all sit down and watch Moonlighting every week. Spend more time dressing than you do smiling. You spend more time with business than you do with pleasure. And your way's better. More time singing than working. More time screwing up than moving up. Moving up? Is that what you believe in? Sparing. Is that what you believe in, huh? What do you believe in? A good party. I'll tell you what I don't believe in. I don't believe in wasting any more time. I'm sick of this. Two years of is you is or is you ain't. Two, Two years. years of bees being in duck stucking in a man who thinks the culture is dark beer. I'm, this is ridiculous. I'm miserable. So am I. And uh, in hindsight, I, it mostly annoyed the shit out of me at times. Well, yeah, because it was just a constant bickering bullshit. Fine. Fine. Good. Good. Bitch. Bastard. Get out. Right, but I really, I knew I liked David Addison, or Bruce Willis, as he's really known. It was really just all about the Al Jarreau theme song. Right, I love that theme song. We loved Bruce Willis, we already knew that as a family, We loved, but we knew him as David Addison. Oh man, David Addison, he's going to be in a, an action movie? Cool! That's what's funny going into it, is that he was David Addison, but after the movie was over, he was no longer David Addison. He, he was Bruce Willis. Yeah, he, he was John McClane. Well, yeah. And we still know him as John McClane, don't we? John McClane is simply an ordinary guy who was thrown into extraordinary circumstances. He's not some 
super cop, some indestructible, unfeeling, unemotional guy. He's a guy who, who uh, cares for his wife. He cares about his own life. He cares about staying alive. This could have very easily become a very heavy, kill everybody, blood and guts, bullets flying everywhere film. But uh, when your life is on the line, you could die at any moment. A, a very strange sense of humor comes out. Like, well, now that he's like bald and just old, <laughs> it's kind of easy not to see him as that. But right. back then, yeah. But back then, he was... Uh... John McClane. And another thing is John McTiernan directed this, and I believe we knew him as the director of Predator at the time. I don't even know if that was a factor in me wanting to see it. Honestly, I probably just saw the same. Oh yeah, I know that. I knew that is, and that was it. You know, I wasn't like. It wasn't I was eight se- years old. I was clueless. <laughs> it wasn't I a didn't selling care. point. But I do have to say this about Die Hard. I remember seeing the movie in the theater at least six times. Really? I went back over and over. I remember like seeing it with my dad and my family first. A couple of days later, seeing it with my buddy Ray finding another reason to go like we'd go several times and i'll never forget this this is in the summer before i think like my junior year i remember it was like the first day of school and it was lunchtime and i was with my buddies keith and leonard and we were like talking about die hard and we'd all seen it over the summer you know and it was like our favorite movie and we're like shit man we're not doing anything in school man what if we go see it right now So it was still playing like three months later when school starts. Oh, yeah. It was a huge hit still. And I remember it was in the 70 millimeter auditorium at the UA Hewland 10. So it was like, oh, did you see it in 70 millimeter? Oh, it's still there. This summer, take the ride of your life. Dodge bullets. Leap from skyscrapers. And survive 127 blazing minutes of non-stop excitement. Welcome to the party! All in 70mm 6-track Dolby Stereo that will blow you through the back wall of the theater. Die Hard. Rated R. Exclusive engagement begins Friday, July 15th in selected cities. And so we took off from school the first day of school and we went to see Die Hard. Again! (laughs) And sometimes when you do something like that, when the movie's over... And I'm like, why didn't we go to school? What, what you guys we are do? so lucky, though. You got to experience it on that big screen, and oh, yeah. I didn't get to see it until uh, VHS. Oh, really? Wait, I was too young to go to the theater to see an R-rated movie. Yeah. So again, this is one of those times where I've I snuck down into the family's game room and and watched a copy that my dad duped on our little uh, I don't know, like 30 inch TV. I'm sitting there watching a pan and scan version of Die Hard, eating it up. But- when it first started out, were you like, fist with your toes? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's go ahead and go to the very opening scene of the movie. It's the airport and the airplane, and the guy's like... Want to know the secret to surviving air travel? After you get where you're going, take off your shoes and your socks, then you walk around on the rug barefoot and make fists with your toes. Fists with your toes? I know, I know, it sounds crazy. Trust me, I've been doing it for nine years. Yes, sir, better than a shower and a hot cup of coffee. (laughs) Okay. 
okay, what the hell? But whenever the movie the guy's st- just so, hey, uh, I see you're uh, having some trouble there. You know what the secret is? It's like, did anybody ask you? I can remember vividly comments in the audience when seeing this movie in the theater. When you see that John McClane has his gun on the airplane, you know, you see his gun there. Hearing someone like in behind me a few rows like, oh, bullshit. Oh, really? Yeah. I even wrote down in my notes, I was like, he has a gun on a plane. What the hell? That that always pulls me out of the movie. I'm like, he has a gun on an airplane. And they show the guy looking at him like, oh, my God. It's okay. I'm a cop. Trust me. I've been doing this for 11 years. First of all, dude, I know he has a gun and it's kind of scary, but the plane landed. If he's a terrorist, he would have yeah. done it a long time ago. <laughs> oh, he's going to be like, now that we've landed in L.A., I've got uh, a gun. We need to refuel and take off to Venezuela. I went off first. That's why I have my gun. Oh, okay, sir. Right this way. That part always pulls me out of the movie. I don't know if you've ever been able to have a gun on the airplane. I doubt it. In a shoulder holster, you know? For safekeeping. (laughs) It always cracks me up how John McClane, you know, he's staring at the hot chick stewardess, you know? and Yeah, he likes to leer. Yeah, he leers at a lot of women in this movie, doesn't he? He does. Even the, um, you know, he gets to the baggage claim and he immediately lights up a cigarette. And I was like, oh, okay, so this is definitely the 80s. Oh, I know. When he lights up the cigarette, I'm like, oh, can't do that anymore. Yep. <laughs> and I don't know why I always blame Joel Silver for stuff like the gazing at the women and the smoking <laughs> the cigarettes and stuff. Because he seems kind of like the leering type. <laughs> yeah. You see the girl like, oh, and she jumps in the guy's arm. He's like, California. 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 <laughs> yeah, I just love John McClane's like, Fucking California. The scene where he walks up to Argyle and he just stands there and they look at each other. It's so <laughs> awkward. It is really awkward. Like, hey, I'm John McClane. Argyle. I'm your limo driver. Nice bear. He's like, all right. And they're just looking at each other. He's just like, okay. Argyle. What do we do now? I was uh, hoping you could tell me. It's my first time driving a limo. You know, I was hoping you would know. It's my first time riding in a limo. <laughs> yeah. And another thing about Argyle, when he's like... So, are you lady live out here? About the past six months. Meaning you still live in New York. Asking him a lot of questions. He's like, you sure ask a lot of questions, Argyle. And he's like... Sorry, man. I used to drive a cab. and uh, People would expect a little chit-chat. So, you divorced? Just drive the car, man. Hey, come on. You're divorced. You're separated. <laughs> she beats you up. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, what are you, like, 14? What? How did you have a career as a cab driver before this? Because he looks like he's, like, 18 years old, doesn't he? Yeah, he looks very young. So he's already had a career as driving a cab, and he's moved up to now limo driving in this uh, time. Some people are so good, they exceed at their job, and he's moved up. It almost made me wonder if the role was written for an older guy or something. I'm sure it was. It's, it's almost what that made me feel. I would love to know how old the actor was when he was in Die Hard. Yeah, because he looks pretty young. Cut to the Nakatomi Plaza and you have the nice uh, little orchestra playing, the string players. and It's a classy joint right out of the 80s. Special effects coordinator Al DeSaro who worked with producers Lawrence Gordon and Joel Silver on Predator. I can tell you what the challenge is for me on this film. It's shooting in this building. 
I've made some calls to some, some effects people that I've worked with in the years just to find out, hey guys, have you ever blown up a floor on a real building? Well, yeah, we've done that before. A 35-story high-rise, like the Fox Plaza, and all I get is this wide-eyed look from them, like, mm-mm, we haven't done that. The setup of Holly at her work and the creepy Ellis hitting on her. Oh, man, if there's a guy, like the epitome of creepy, coke-fiend, Wall Street type in an 80s movie, it's this guy. Hey, Holly, what about dinner tonight, huh? Harry, it's Christmas Eve. They set up Ellis there, but he remains like this kind of slimy guy through the rest of the movie that they keep cutting back to. Some of it to comedic effect. It's like irritating comedic effect. I mean, even there in his introduction, he's hitting on Holly going, hey, you know. Actually, I was thinking more of mulled wine, a nice aged brie, and a roaring fireplace. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I have kids. Families, stockings, chestnuts. Rudolph and Frosty, any of these things ring a bell? Chestnuts, I've never done that. Do any of these ring a bell? I always laugh at when John McClane is in the thing with Argyle and he's like, Mind if we hear some tunes? Hey, that'll work. You got any Christmas music? This is Christmas music. And he plays the Run DMC. And I vividly remember this. The guy, like, a row ahead of me in the theater, kind of, like, shaking his head, like, ah, oh, no, uh, when this starts playing. I don't know why I remember shit like that, but I do. Dun, dun, bam, 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 bam. Oh, this is Joel Silver, too. He's like, you gotta have some black stuff in the movie. I you gotta just- have some black stuff <laughs> for the black audience. Gross culture, man. Yeah. I think they put it in there because it was a huge song back then. I don't know. This is the first time I heard it is in Die Hard. So really? then that later was that on, huge album that yeah, with the guy that did those paintings of like silhouetted people or the hell was that called? Ugh, doesn't matter. Yeah, I just know where I worked at. They played that CD over and over, so I'd always go, "Oh yes, the Die Hard song." <laughs> the Die Hard song. Yeah, so that was awesome. Whenever I hear that, it just instantly reminds me of Die Hard. Yeah, same here. Whenever John McClane shows up, the guy's like, I'm here to see Holly McClane. Just type it in there. Cute toy. And it's funny when he says cute toy about it. It's like, uh, that's like an ancient thing there. Yeah, it's really ancient. <laughs> ancient touch Even screen. Even back then CRT. it was ancient. Oh my gosh, a touch screen. It's from the future. <laughs> yeah, Mr. McClane. I, I'm thinking that John doesn't get out much. That's why he thinks it's a cute toy. And what does that guy say? Like, yeah. You have to take a leak. It'll even help you find your zipper. John just kind of looks. I'm like, uh, yeah. man, you're hilarious. Great joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that's when he sees that Holly Gennaro. Jesus Christ, man. She changed her name back to her maiden name. Son of a bitch. It's all mad. Can't believe it. Later on, I still don't understand that part, but the guard who's standing by the elevators, right? Yeah. Did Carl really need to slide that stun grenade around the corner? Well, he could have been an, a, a ninja guard. Because all he had to do is go around the corner and go... But instead, it's like he slides a hockey puck a stun grenade at him. Looks like a hostess ding-dong or it something. It does. It made me hungry. <laughs> when you eat a hostess ding-dong, there's a whole world 
swirl of chocolate flavor in each and every bite. Cream filling, too. Delicious Hostess Ding Dongs. You'll find a chocolate-flavored world in every bite. But I always wonder, if was that necessary at all? Because you would think the stun grenade thing is louder than his gun with a silencer on it. Absolutely it was necessary. You never know, that guy could be dangerous. And does that flashbang thing that he slides, <laughs> does it even exist in the real world like that? Like that, I highly doubt it. Like, it, it's like, okay. It's I've a, only ever seen flashbang canisters, never yeah. a hockey puck. Here, this is a, it's a, it looks like a hostess ding dong, but you open it up and slide it, you can stun guards with it. Oh, cool. Just not nearly as delicious. It kind of paralyzes them where they have their arms, uh, holding up, like, and they look kind of weird, but, uh, yeah. The way the guy's holding his arms up, like, ah, but I'm skipping way ahead in the movie here, Bill. So <laughs> yeah. Let's go back. But we're not, still, we're not, they haven't even arrived yet. I always wondered that. Was the flash grenade necessary? <laughs> <laughs> the world may never know. I think you need to ask Mr. Owl. Mr. Owl, how many lifts does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? Let's find out. One, two, three. But I love when when uh, John McClane, you know, he finally he meets Mr. Takagi. He seems like a great boss, doesn't he? He's a nice guy. He's like a very nice man. I want to congratulate each and every one of you for making this one of the greatest years in the history of the Nakatomi Corporation. It doesn't matter, like, a hundred viewings of Die Hard. It's always uncomfortable when they walk in on Ellis snorting coke. Snorting cocaine <laughs> in Holly's so... office. Ellis. I was just making a call. This was uh, the nurse phone. And then he's like, there's this pile of powder there, and he's just like, oh, let me brush that off there. Yeah. That Mr. T- Takagi goes, I want you to meet John McClane. Holly's husband. Holly's policeman. Alice is in charge of international development. Heard a heck of a lot about you. And he goes, Miss something. Still got some powder there. Why would Mr. Takagi employ that guy who's doing coke there? Is it because well, it's LA and everybody does it? Smooth talker. <laughs> yeah. When Holly shows up and she's like, Oh, John, he's like, Show him the watch. <clears throat> Later. Well, go on, show him. What are you embarrassed? It's just a small token of appreciation for all her hard work. It's a Rolex. In my notes, I put that down. Wrote, Ellis is a douchebag. <laughs> yeah, he definitely is. <laughs> and he calls Mr. Takaki Jojo. We closed a pretty big deal today, and a lot of it was due to Holly. Am I right, Jojo? <laughs> yeah, Jojo. So, so don't worry about it, man. And Mr. Takagi tells some dumb joke. Realize they celebrated Christmas in Japan. <laughs> We're flexible. Pearl Harbor didn't work out, so we got you with tape decks. Wow, so, that's appropriate. Yeah, and he goes, so we got you with tape decks. And then Ellis goes, <laughs> He lets out like this laugh that's hilarious, like this it's coke laugh. <laughs> it's just fake coke laugh. So meanwhile, you know, we've got John. He's visiting his wife. He hasn't seen her in a long time. And there's the uncomfortable moment where he brings up about. I guess you didn't miss my name, though, huh? Except maybe when you're signing checks. Just when did you start using Ms. Gennaro? When I watch the movie so many times, you start to analyze things. Uh, she obviously gets paid a lot of money for her job. Yeah. What is she doing signing checks with John's money? Exactly. Like Why some... is he paying child support whenever she's 
the director of operations for I think, a multinational corporation. Yeah. When he says that, I guess he's just being a dick. He's being yeah. an asshole. And like, even when she walks away, he's like, way to go, John. You're an asshole. His pride is hurt. So he's just on the attack. They also have Hans Gruber's bunch arriving, you know, this cool, like, intercutting of them setting up. And by the way, I believe this is one of the first movies to do this. And so many movies copied it. The whole heist thing and the setting up and showing oh, the guys yeah. slowly taking over or something when they make their move. But the Die Hard, they kind of first did this, didn't they? The truck arrives, goes down the ramp the sedan goes to the front door they even have that moment where all of them come together and they're all walking at the same time together yeah you know yeah. and i've, I've got to ask you this and i wrote this in my notes because i still don't know it's been since 1988 and i've seen die hard a million times right and i'm sure you have too yeah what is carl's brother doing with those wires <laughs> and why does he need to cut a wire before Carl chainsaws them. Yeah, I didn't quite get that. I think he's like, hey, brother. Oh, man. It's but, something about the security system. Right. Like, he's got to feed the phone lines into a dead end so that the security doesn't trip or something. Uh-huh. I don't know. I always wondered the same thing. Carl just comes in with the chainsaw. And then he cuts the wire and he goes, like, oh, oh my God. Like, oh, I did it just in time. It's like, you did what just in time? What is going on in the scene? It's just a little brotherly, uh. Yeah, it shows that he's giving his little bro a hard time and, you know. Oh, my little brother with his glasses. Oh, later on, I'll apologize to him. Why do you have your hair so short? (laughs) It should be long and luscious like mine. Don't you think Carl was thinking that? I'll buy him a beer later and I'll make it up to my little bro and everything will be fine. But nope. Yeah, we'll celebrate with our $640 million in negotiable bearer bonds. And I gotta say this, they set up that uh, there's all these foreign guys, right? But they have one American guy who's yes. like the computer genius, and he's annoying as hell, isn't he? <laughs> he is. It's the guy from he Walker, Texas. He thinks he's hot Rain. shit. Yeah. He's like, dude, dude. He's singing along while uh, kicking computer components and stuff. But he's one of the most annoying characters in the movie. What is his name? Do you remember? I don't ever remember them referring to him by his name. Theo? Theo. That is right. Theo? He says something about basketball when he comes in. He's talking to Carl. And he's like... So Kareem rebounds, right? Feeds Worthy on the break. Over to AC. To Magic. Then back to Worthy, right? Point. They shoot the guard. Whenever he jumps over the desk and kicks the guard's dead body out of the way. Yeah, other guard is around the corner at the elevators. Would he have heard that? Ah, <sighs> probably. You hear? And then he maybe falls he was back just busy leaning chair. against the wall. Yeah, he's busy eating like peanuts or whatever. Okay, what nobody knows about this is that guard is actually the greatest guard <laughs> ever in the history of time. So if he ever got a chance to know they were around there he would have been over there and killed both of them in seconds yeah before is only the most feared security guard in the business man 460 cars all convicted i even got two kills he's and a fast draw he would have saved the day so luckily carl has a hostess ding dong stun <laughs> grenade and he it sl- explodes with chocolatey goodness 
<laughs> the the cream filling traps your feet into the ground. You're like shit, and you can't move. And then you- I can't move, but I'm. <laughs> I'm so satisfied. But that's another thing. When you're first watching Die Hard at this time, when that stone grenade goes off, you get an idea of, whoa, this sound mix is pretty incredible. Yeah, it is. Because it goes, it booms, and then he, you know, he shoots the guy, and it's like, did he shoot him with a blaster from Star Wars or something? (laughs) Some kind of laser gun? It's a ray gun. Because the silencer sounds pretty badass. It's the same one. ray gun the kid had that the Al Pal killed. Don't you have uh, ray guns? <laughs> ray guns. Show me a piece of future <laughs> technology. Maybe one day we'll know where to buy those stun grenades, by the way. I want to know. I want to know now. But I always like that moment when uh, John is in the bathroom and he calls Argyle. And see, that's when he's talking to him. Remember Argyle said, let me know and I'll... uh I'll get you a place to to stay if it doesn't work out. So he calls. Yeah, him. he says that he's gonna stay in the in the garage and give him a call. Right. He's just like the greatest uh, limo driver ever, isn't he? He's concierge limo driver. So that's when the phone lines die, and it's like, oh, okay, the phone line died. Hello, the number. And we determined that uh, Argyle uh, likes to uh, jam to music. He loves jamming. And drinking in the back of his limo, so that's pretty funny. Comic relief there. Maybe they'll cut back to him every once in a while. I want to know um, how Huey Lewis got on Hans Gruber's crew. <laughs> I was going to talk about that guy. <laughs> the the Huey Lewis henchman who isn't foreign either. He's got no. a- American accent. There's but one he part. doesn't need to be foreign since he just stays at the desk. Can I just say this about that guy? He is the worst actor I have ever seen in a motion picture. So bad. He is horrible. He, he has some parts in this movie that make me laugh because he's so bad and overacts different scenes where he's supposed to look down at something. He, like, overdoes it. And I don't understand how he got in the movie or stayed in the movie because <laughs> he's so... I don't know how he lasts until... The end of the movie. Oh, my God. He's so bad. He's the last henchman that gets taken out. (laughs) He is. I hate to jump ahead, but when he looks down at the gun and then looks back up at McLean in that final scene, it's the worst acting I've ever seen. He doesn't even have any lines. No. He's horrible. (laughs) Huey Lewis sucks. (laughs) But another thing I noticed, I don't know if you noticed this, but all the computer sound effects sound like Whopper from War Games. (laughs) They do. Shall we play a game? (laughs) It's War Games sound effects. They've got yeah, all these guns and everything are great, but the computers are bad. Yeah, the computers, it's, it's friggin', it's Matthew Broderick's computer from his house with his Yeah, parents. they're like, uh, whenever they first get in, they're locking it down and Theo's locking down the elevators to like the 29th floor, locking down the building. <laughs> Dropping the gates on the garage, and you're just looking <laughs> at the computers, and it's making that sound. Just, yeah, no. I'm just like, oh god, that's so dated sounding. Would it be bad if they like, if there was like a fan edit, or if they went back and updated the the computer screens or <laughs> yeah, the sound, like do that kind of fan re edit to make it more high tech? 
But uh, when uh, Hans Gruber comes out, I always like how he has that book and he delivers a line about greed. and. Uh, due to the Nakatomi Corporation's legacy of greed around the globe, they're about to be taught a lesson in the real use of power. You will be witnesses. And then he closes his book and I'm like, did he really have anything written in there? <laughs> he, he just likes putting on a show. It's Hans Gruber, man. And when he's like asking for Takagi, I love where he walks up in Ellis is there and he kind of goes like, no, and he kind of backs away. Ellis has to shake his head that he's not Japanese. No, and he kind of backs away. It's hilarious the way he's like overreacting to everything. And this is the guy that uh, negotiates the million dollar deals. (laughs) Yeah. In a full on Coke flop sweat. And what was Holly thinking that they could get another guy killed instead of Takagi because she's like, no, don't tell him who you are. Where is Mr. Takagi? Joseph Yoshinobu Takagi. Born Kyoto, 1937. Stay back. Don't stand up. Let him kill some other Japanese guy. Let that guy take a bullet. Let the guy with the big glasses do it. I noticed, like, on repeated viewings that they mention, like, Time Magazine, Forbes, 60 Minutes. There's a lot of references to things like that. Yeah, a lot. Hans compliments him on his suit. Nice suit. John Phillips, London. I have two myself. Rumor has it, Arafat buys his there. And I do think that room with all the models is really cool. It is. I thought the bridge model was cool in Indonesia. Oh, that's beautiful. I always enjoyed to make models when I was a boy. The exactness, the attention to every conceivable detail. Beautiful. Is this what this is all about? Our project in Indonesia? Develop that region, not exploit it. I read the article in Forbes. It's one of those little uh, references there. But I love when all that happens, John gets away, he's barefoot. All these great scenes, you know, in this movie that they set up for later on, you know, that he's barefoot and all that. Yeah, he's sitting on the bed doing his uh, toes and fists. Yeah. (laughs) Fists with your toes. I always think it's weird that scene where he doesn't know what to do and he's kind of freaking out and he looks across the way and there's like a chick, like a hot chick talking on the phone or something. She's like in a building away, like outside. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought maybe he was going to try to get her attention. Yeah, but instead, I think it's just Joel Silver, like, this is where we should show a hot chick. Yeah, well, they had just shown a hot chick naked on a desk. Right. And she's like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> let me get my shirt on. Yeah. The w- she screams so weird, and I'm not sure it even matches what she's saying with her mouth, but it's like, Or something like it's, that. It, yeah, it does kind of sound like a, a, a whimpering dog. And all these stylish uh, bad guys are like, oh, hey, oh, oh, I use Vidal Sassoon. Yeah, they're all very stylish. Some of them are wearing, like, pretty bulky sweaters. Have you noticed that? Well, it's 80 sweaters. Yeah. And it's very cold in L.A. <laughs> yeah, it's very cold in L.A. this time of year. They must have just came from Germany. John, he uh, sets up the fire alarm. We've got a fire alarm. Call 911. That's when they know where he is. 
Of course, they call off the, the alarm, but now here's the part with Carl's brother. I always think it's funny when he goes, I promise I won't hurt you. And then he jumps around the corner and goes like, it's like, like dude. I think he's lying. And yeah. by, by the way, when he fires that gun the first time, there's a lot of bass in that. It's like, the sound compared to the gun just doesn't fit. <laughs> yeah. This tiny little machine gun and, and like, it shoots <laughs> like it's a cannon. The whole living room is rattling as you're watching it. His movements are kind of like the Terminator at that point. Have you ever noticed that? It very, like, blockish. Yeah, he's like a T-800 or something. Fuck you, asshole. The scene where he's like, Drop it, dickhead. It's the police. The guy immediately goes to, You won't hurt me. Oh, yeah? Why not? Because you're a policeman. There are rules for policemen. Why would he say that? Why? I can't justify it. It, it makes no know. sense that the guy would immediately go there, that uh, you will not hurt me. Policemen have rules. And he's like, what? So I, uh, I'm like, what? Yeah, my captain keeps telling me. And then they get in their fight. Well, I guess Bruce Willis isn't in that fight, is he? Um, he's in like two or three shots of that. <laughs> Same with the Carl's brother. Yeah, it's uh, guys with wigs on. Yeah. Stunned well, I don't know wigs. if the Bruce Willis guy has a wig. He just doesn't have the same hairstyle. Right. The guy that's Carl's brother definitely has a wig. Because all of a sudden, at times, he looks like Captain Kangaroo. I'm not sure if I noticed that as much in the theater, but on Blu-ray, I totally notice it. Yeah. Totally just calls attention to it. I really trained hard for this film and got in good shape. I really wanted to do a lot of my own stunts because I think that always lends a lot of, you know, lends a lot of production value to, to the, you know, the picture. And it was a lot of fun. Well, there's like, they're banging each other into a wall and then it's this rear shot where it's like, Wait, that's not the same guys. And Bruce Willis looks tiny in a couple of yeah. shots. Like, and way too skinny. Yeah, it's like, oh, who's that little guy in this shot <laughs> with them? And why is that guy wearing such a big, ugly wig? <laughs> it's like he went to Kmart and got it. Your saving place makes saving nice And then he falls down the stairs, and I guess he breaks his neck. Yeah, I think that's what happened. Or maybe his wig got caught on something. I don't know. But I always love that line about, like, I'm the terrorist in the world, and I gotta kill one with feet smaller than my sister. <laughs> that is a good line. <laughs> and then you... This is where he gets the uh, machine gun idea. Yeah, the, and now I have machine gun, ho, ho, ho. I always is... thought it was weird that once he uh, sends him up the elevator, that the one lady in the, um... In the in the lobby, freaks out. Get them back. You're surrounded by men with guns, and you see a guy who's obviously dead in a chair. But light up, it's not that bad. I'm not even sure where she's sitting, the angle she's at. She can't exactly. even see in the elevator, but she's like, ah! oh my god! There's like, Shut the up, spatial bitch. design of that whole lobby doesn't make a whole lot of sense we got to call attention to michael Kamen's score because it's pretty fantastic there's a yeah. lot of jingle bells type sounds like i don't know how to describe it little bell kind of sound yeah, and just the way he continuously blends different christmas music different bells along with ode to joy 
Mm-hmm. Like, there's little bits of Ode to Joy spread throughout the thing. Yeah, it's really cool. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. By the way, you know, Hans Gruber paved the way for villains after that. Oh, Got God, a, yeah. Alan Rickman is so good in the movie. He chews the scenery. As far as I'm concerned, I'm not playing the villain. I'm just playing somebody who wants certain things uh, in life, has made certain choices, uh, and goes after them. It always drives me nuts, the scene, and it's funny, the audience, too, when uh, John is uh, getting jerked off on the radio <laughs> with the, the dispatch lady. She's like, Sir, I've already told you, this is a reserve channel. If this is an emergency call, dial 911 on your telephone. Otherwise, I'll have to report this as an FCC violation. Fine, report me. Come the fuck down here and arrest me. I always wondered, like, what the hell the Laney's problem was. You know, he's asking for, you know, emergency channel 9, uh, terrorists have taken Nakatomi Plaza, and she doesn't take it seriously at all. And then she says, Attention, whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency calls only. No fucking shit, lady! Do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? Yeah, the whole audience is laughing. <laughs> and that's when uh, Hans Gruber's like, The roof. Go, go! <laughs> yes. And, uh, of course, we know Carl's brother is dead, so he's really pissed, and he wants revenge throughout the entire movie. You'll have it. But let Heinrich plant the detonators and Theo prepare the vault. After we call the police, they'll waste hours trying to negotiate, and then you can tear the building apart looking for this man. But until then, we do not alter the plan. And if he alters it. That's all he cares about. He doesn't even care about the money in the heist anymore, does he? No, he just wants him dead. He wants revenge for his brother. But his brother was a dick. He was going to shoot shoot him. I mean, He didn't like his brother anyways. Yeah. He, he actually, gave his brother a hard time when his brother was trying to secure the phone lines. Yeah, he chainsaws his wires. The guy acted like he was a robot anyway. And he, <laughs> he could have been. He thought he knew all about policemen's rules. Now, this is whenever we get... Uh, the introduction of Reginald Vell Johnson. Oh, the weather outside was frightful. <laughs> da, 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 delightful. Up, they start shooting at Bruce Willis up on the roof, and they get cut out, and she goes, See if there's a black and white that can do a drive-by. So they send Reggie V. The thing that always bothered me about this scene is he's in the gas station picking up his, you know, his Twinkies for the night. This is Twinkie the Kid. Hostess, Twinkies, cakes, fruit pies, and cupcakes. Yahoo! The fresh snacks with a snack in the middle. Oh, yeah. Lots of Twinkies. Yeah, it looked like you picked up maybe two dozen Twinkies for the night. I love he's like, it's for my wife. She's pregnant. But the guy, the cashier's just as fat. I know. What the hell is the cashier giving him a hard time for? What is the cashier probably eats just as many Twinkies a night. I thought you guys just ate donuts. (laughs) They're for my wife. Yeah. She's pregnant. Yeah. Bag it. Big time. (laughs) (laughs) That one thing goes big big time. time. (laughs) And the guy's like... (laughs) For the longest time, when Reginald Vell Johnson looks up at Nakatomi and you see the blinking lights, I thought that was muzzle flash. That's what I thought it was. But later on, when you see... They're driving away the news van, and you see Nakatomi in the distance. You see those same lights blinking. So I don't think it is muzzle flash. I think oh, okay, it's just because that's blinking. what I put in my notes. Looks up Nakatomi building and sees muzzle flash. Yeah, well, I, 
I always thought that for the longest time, but it's like recently I was like, wait, maybe that's just blinking lights up there. Because watch later on when Thornburg is driving to the McLean residence. Oh, okay. You can see Nakatomi in the distance. You see those same bright white lights blinking. So I don't know. So- okay. Well, no, it's probably for the helicopter pad. But I love John McClane's trying to get away from them. And there's some cool shooting and stuff there. When they introduce Carl's machine gun, it's loud as hell. One of director John McTiernan's greatest challenges was to find a real building where his production team could shoot guns and set off explosions. He found that building in the newly built Fox Plaza. We have to periodically run downstairs and apologize to the lawyer beneath us, saying, we're about to fire machine guns. Will you excuse us? Uh, McLean's trading gunfire with the other two guys while he's walking up top, you know, real slow with his machine gun. And then when he opens fire, he's like... I always thought that was cool, how loud his gun is. Anytime I get it in a video game, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Carl's gun. It's like, yeah, that's a badass gun. I like, because even they show him earlier on the elevator where he's putting it together yeah. on his back. No one kills him but me. I, I always like when a bad guy is piecing his gun together, ready It's to, his baby. Yeah. And they all also established the, there's like a pinup of nude girls in one of the. <laughs> he goes, hello, ladies. Yeah, he's like. Girls. Is that another Joel Silver touch? We need Yeah, to, I, get, I guess so. <laughs> John, it's Joel. I need more naked women, but we don't have a place for them. Well, just put up a, a pinup. And then you have different scenes of him going through that giant fan thing. And then, you know, he's trying to jump to like an air conditioning duct or something. Yeah, he gets through the fan and then he goes, he uses his gun and gun belt to uh dangle himself to try to get to the, uh I think right. that mistakenly in the movie, um Carl calls it the elevator shaft, but it's a, it's a heating and cooling shaft. Yeah, it's gigantic too. Yeah, it's this massive matte painting of a shaft. Yeah, there's even the part where he knocks the screen off and you just hear it falling and finally forever you hear, and he's like, oh my God. And, you're like, and this oh. scene still bugs the hell out of me. I guess maybe because the angles it's done at and it's done so well and I'm, I'm such a huge problem with heights uh-huh. that I my ass puckers during this scene every time. I know he <laughs> makes it. I know yeah. he's going to be okay, but just the dangling and the way it's shot. And then he, uh, I love that he falls and he grabs the next one down, you know? you know. Yeah, and this is where he crawls in and lights the lighter, right? Yeah, he does the, the great line of... Come on to the coast, we'll get together, have a few laughs. <laughs> and the uh, underappreciated follow-up. I know what a TV dinner feels like. He has some great lines in the movie. That just, <laughs> and his delivery is fantastic. Yeah, it still makes me laugh. Except Every time I watch it, it makes me laugh. And Carl, he saw that he lit his Zippo, so he knows where he's at. Dummy. Carl shoots up at the vent. And they show McLean just kind of looking, staring down at the bullet hole. Bullet hole smoking. It's like, <laughs> he's looking at it like... Damn it. That was And he's close. not moving. Did you, when you first time saw it, thought Carl shot him and he was dead right there? No. Because he's not moving? Yeah. That, no. I guess that would ruin the movie, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, he got him. He's dead. And that's But I definitely thought Carl was going to find him when he started poking the duct work. Yeah. I love that he kind of gets, readies his gun 
and he's going to try to shoot Carl in the head like if he gets close enough. That would have been pretty sweet. But that's that when been a quick disposal of Carl. <laughs> yeah. But that's when uh Reggie V shows up. Yes. And they all freak he's, out. Who's driving this car? Stevie Wonder? Yeah, that's a great line. <laughs> Stevie Wonder. <laughs> you got to ha- love a Stevie Wonder joke, right? Yeah, because he's blind. When I first saw it, you don't know what's going to happen. The cops have shown up. This is a secret heist, I guess, up till this moment. You think they are terrorists in the movie, right? You don't know yeah. if they're there for money for a long time in the movie. I always wondered, what the hell did John expect one cop to do? Because he even gets out and he enters the place. And this is where Huey Lewis gets some of his best acting in the movie, Bill. Yeah, it it really is. He's, he's like, uh, evening, officer. What can I do for you? Has a nice southern twang. Yeah, now all of a sudden he's a southern boy. It always bothers me where he's like, you don't mind if I take a look around, do you? Nah, help yourself. And he does his hand gesture way too late, I think. You know, where he's like, sure, have a look around. And he waves his hand. I don't, I've never noticed. Everything about this guy drives me nuts. You have real problems with Huey Lewis. I do. I hate him. He ruins Die Hard for me. He's the (laughs) worst actor I've ever seen. The thing that always gets me in Die Hard is the Asian guy. Mr. Endo. Endo, yes. They don't give him nearly enough to do, and he's been in so many other films. Is it just me, or does he come out of nowhere in the movie? Well, you know, they needed an Asian man. It's like he's nowhere in the movie, and all of a sudden (laughs) he shows up again at the snack bar, and, okay, you're a terrorist with a machine gun. Why do you have to look back and forth to make sure no one notices you taking the candy? It doesn't make any sense to me, Bill. Because he feels guilty. That scene drives me nuts, too. He should be... Too badass to want candy. Yeah, he's just like, oh, I'll get in trouble. Chocolate is scrunches when it crunches. That's why I love Nestle Crunch. The blend of Nestle's creamy milk chocolate with crunchies tastes just as good as it sounds. Chocolate is scrunches when it crunches. That's why I love Nestle Crunch. But just the way he looks around like he's a kid about to get in trouble drives me nuts. <laughs> you know, when he shows up and he's like, How the hell is this? Reggie V takes off. But he's so close, just around the corner, he almost got taken out. Yeah, another stun grenade would. <laughs> yes, another hockey puck. Roll up, roll Except up Reggie, Reggie would have put it in his mouth thinking it was a ding dong. He was like, he- It's for my wife. Yeah. Boom! <laughs> Just bag it for me. Big time. Big time. <laughs> this is the coolest part is that uh, McLean starts smashing the window. And then the spotter up on the roof, he's like, uh, wires them and the guys run down. The guys with the bushy sweater, the big puffy uh, white sweater runs down there. It's just the holiday sweater. Yeah. This is my one of my favorite parts in the whole movie when, uh, you know, he's like, Hey, motherfucker, jump it! Put that fucking gun down! Put the gun down! The other guy comes in, he blasts that guy, then... McLean, he jumps over the, under the table, and he's like... You are done! No more table! Where are you going, pal? But why is the guy, like, shooting at the legs of the table, like, kind of taunting him? I, yeah, never, I, I never quite got that. It's like he had to deliver his monologue. The, yeah, he's like, next time you have a chance to kill someone, don't hesitate. And then there's the cool. <laughs> the 
shoots him like 16 times or something. <laughs> and then I look. Thanks for the advice. And it's these really great squib shots, almost like Robocop quality. Yeah. Where it just like rips his legs apart. Oh, yeah. That, it's great. And uh, I'll never forget my friend Keith just like, man, badass. Like he had to say it out loud at that point. <laughs> Like, dude, you've already seen the movie how many times, but still he's like, oh, badass, man. Just like, get off. I'm like, oh, dude, that was awesome. I still say badass. <laughs> he just shoots through the table all these times. I just, that is a great scene where he just blows the dude away. I never understood why the, the conference table was zigzagged. Yeah. And he's like, dun, dun. And the directing is great in that scene, the camera movement and everything. Mm-hmm. And McLean, you know, he's trying to slide up the table as the guy's shooting at the, Table legs, like he hates tables. I think I yeah, hate I think tables. That's... I hate zigzag tables. They're they're ridiculous. They make no sense. Where are you going? No more table. I like that he calls him pal. Where are you going, American pal? Watch too much television. It's like what? What was your problem with Americans and TV, man? Your table legs are too long. Your fast food and your reality TV. <laughs> no more MTV. No more Twisted Sister. <laughs> Just problems. Like every cliche. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the best part when he's like uh, throws the body on the car. That's when Reginald Bell Johnson starts freaking out. All right, yeah, we get the. Uh, I have to say probably the most famous, most overused line from the movie. Well, one of even, them. Even more, well, yeah, one of them. I think it's used I, more than yippee ki Yeah, I say it all the time. I yeah, me do. too. Welcome to the party, pal. Anytime anybody joins the party on Xbox Live, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the party, pal. I want a picture of that over my toilet, but he's saying, <laughs> welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> Wouldn't that be oh, awesome? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal. You know what's so sad, though? I would have that. Me, too. I would always, like, smile right before I'm about to sit down on the I toilet. I would say, thank you. I'll enjoy it. Oh, that McLean. He's always cracking me up. They're turning my car into switch cheese. <laughs> Rifle fire and Napa told me. I'll be back on the distance now. Now, goddammit, now. That's a great scene because up until then, everyone thinks that uh, Al Powell in the audience, everyone thinks he's a fat jackass, right? Yes. So when he gets fired at and he's backing away because he didn't think anything was wrong, you're like, ah, you got what you deserve. It's a wild goose chase. (laughs) And then we have the great introduction of Thornburg. Officer needs assistance at... Anytime I see William Atherton in a movie, I I call him Dickless. He's, it's, <laughs> yeah. In my notes, it's I have true. Dickless is introduced. Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. He's so great in so many movies as the he asshole. Is. Yeah, I mean, come on, real genius. So many of them. I, I, the best part about that, somebody goes, This is my story. I, I am here out there. Sam, all right, look, Sam, I tell you what. You don't want to give me a truck? I'll go and I'll steal a truck. Hey, give us a break, Thornburg. Eat it, Harvey. Harvey, we're on the air. <laughs> yeah, Harvey has to, like, recompose himself. <laughs> yeah, it's great. because, uh, And it's not the only time Harvey does something epically stupid. Right. Later on, he does <laughs> a great line about... 
Of the Helsinki Syndrome. What does he say? Well, Gail, by this time, the hostages should be going through the early stages of the Helsinki Syndrome. As in Helsinki, Sweden. Finland. The news producer, like, shakes his head like, like, oh, you're so stupid. (laughs) Thornburg wants to take a news crew out there. Yeah. And this always confused me because uh, Thornburg hears the report over the radio, and it sounds like they're replaying Al Pal's call for help. I need backup assistance now! Now, goddammit, now! And I guess this is, like, happening at the same time? Okay, yeah, that's what always confused me. Like, is it happening at the same time, or is it... It is a little confusing. Because it's the only time in the movie, I think, where that happens, where time replays somewhere else. (laughs) Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Or something. Oh, and that's when, after all this has happened... Do you think it's weird that, after you've watched the movie a million times... McLean has just shot two guys and thrown a guy out the window. Mm-hmm. The other guys in Hans Gruber's bunch, they don't run up there at all. Do they, they know? Yeah, I don't know. They don't run to that floor at all. There's a guy on the roof who said something was happening. They ran there in the first place. He- well, I think they all have their jobs. The guys on the roof were too busy putting hundreds of things to see for there. Okay. Because, you know, he's there for a long time, and then this is where McLean and Hans Gruber meet... And oh, yes, yeah, on the radio. He says something like, who are you? And he's like, who are you then? Just a fly in the ointment, Hans. The monkey in the wrench. A pain in the ass. Yeah, that that's a great scene because uh, Alan Rickman knows he's not dealing with the stock character. He's dealing with the star of the movie at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, he's not is... a supporting character. You're most troublesome for a security guard. Sorry, Hans, wrong guess. Would you like to go for double jeopardy where the scores can really change? So that whole scene, you know, it's like we've seen the movie so many times, it's just memorized, you know? Yeah. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? yippee ki motherfucker. Fantastic scene. And then, of course, we get the yippee ki Motherfucker. Mr. Falcon. Mr. Falcon. <laughs> oh, yippee ki Mr. Falcon. Yikes. But, uh, yeah, love it. Yeah. Just the, the whole pace of the movie is great at this point. I like how, at this point, it, they go back to Theo, and it's like, as it ticks down, like, how many more locks to go? Yeah. It's like, three locks down, four to go. And they, they do that throughout the movie, just to kind of... Yeah, they keep cutting back to Theo. Yeah, update us in the timeline. I think that's that's a cool thing to do. And it's cool when all the cops show up and they introduce the great Paul Gleason as the Oh yes, Dwayne Robinson. This is Dwayne Robinson. Or is he Dwayne T. Robinson? Yes. Well, well, here we are. And you know what I noticed in this scene? I don't know if you did, but when the cops show up, all of a sudden there's lens flare all over the place. Yes, I was going to bring that up. There's lens flare everywhere. It is everywhere. And it's not, and from this point on, it's not just outside. It's inside. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost every scene there's lens flare. I thought that was pretty crazy. Like even on like the fluorescent lights in the, in the building. Is it at this point Holly figures out it's John causing all the trouble and something's wrong. Cops. John. John. Oh, Christ, he can fuck this whole thing up. What does he think he's doing? His job. Bullshit. His job's 3,000 miles away. Without him, we still have a chance we might be able to get out of here. Hell, that's a dick 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, this is where it is. One of the things I love is when they decide, you know, first of all, Paul Gleason doesn't believe anything that Reginald Vell Johnson is saying, or he's like, Jesus Christ, pal. He could be a fucking bartender for all we know. He yeah. could be jerking your chain. He's the guy we need to hate throughout the movie. The audience does. You know? Yeah. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. Paul Gleason just has that face. Uh-huh. And he has like, some he great lines. He plays that smugness so well that the moment he shows up, it's like, oh, this, is, this guy's an asshole. And he has a hilarious line. He goes, how do you know who that guy is that fell out the building? He goes, who knows? It's probably some stockbroker. Got depressed. Yeah. <laughs> I love when they send in the SWAT guys, I guess. And they're all gung-ho. And he, I love when he goes, We're ready. Kick ass. Yeah. My favorite part of the, uh, and every time I see it, I laugh, is they're ready to send in the SWAT guys. He says, kick ass. And then as the SWAT guys are making themselves in, one of them gets held up on the uh, rose bushes. Yeah. yeah. He, <laughs> like, these are supposed to be tough SWAT guys, but he, like, gets pricked by a thorn. He's like, oh. Every time I see that, I laugh like, oh, <laughs> these guys are such keystone cops. Yeah, they're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> and and this... you got you got all the guys that are, like, shutting down the security gates. And we've got Endo stealing candy bars. <laughs> stealing candy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I And that's when the the most annoying stuff with Theo, he goes... Oh, the night before Christmas. Yeah, the night before Christmas. It was the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring except the four assholes coming in the rear in standard two-by-two cover formation. I know that line, like, even though I can't stand it, I know it by heart. So, Mr. Endo, would Hans have yelled at him for stealing candy, you think? Absolutely. That's not your candy! (laughs) We're here for something else. And then he reveals the plot too early, and we're like, ah, he screwed everything up. Damn it. He looks around, like, left to right, like, I hope no one sees me taking this candy. Even though I've got a machine gun and we've taken over the building, I'm still going to look around. (laughs) Is my mom here? Yeah, I know. It's just something that cute. Spoiling my dinner. They came up with, they thought it was cute, right? It has to be. But then they send in the RV. They send in the car. Yeah, send in the car. <laughs> send in the car. Wait, what car? I think it's funny the way the editing is when the guy goes, send in the car. They cut to the car and it's on its way right there. Uh, you know? Yeah. Whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What are we here, gentlemen? The police have themselves an RV. <laughs> and every time I hear that, I can't help but hear uh, Dennis Quaid in my head in... Uh, Christmas vacation. So, when did you get the uh, tenement on wheels? Oh, that there, that, uh, that's an RV. The two German guys are up there with the rocket launcher, and it's like, yeah, I see him. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I see him. Yeah, <laughs> the line cracks me up every time. Oh, I know. And uh, McLean's watching all this, and I love when they first shoot it. He's like, Hans. Hit it again. Hans, you motherfucker, you made your point. Let him pull back. Thank you, Mr. Cowboy. I'll take it under advisement. Hit it again. I love that whole scene where he decides to send the explosives down, drop them down to the bottom, I guess, of the building. Yeah. This is where we get the, uh... Oh, my God, the quarterback is toast. God, Theo is so annoying, isn't he? 
He's doing nothing but sitting in a room mm-hmm. at the top of the building next to a drill. You got cops basically cooking in an RV. Where and, where did Hans Gruber find this guy? This uh, I don't know. Annoying hacker guy who really has no empathy for other human beings. <laughs> He has, he has, as long as he gets his bearer bonds, he's happy. He's a monster. We got to talk about the explosion because it's yes. pretty incredible when he sends a C4 down there, right when they're going to hit the cops again. The explosion is awesome. So you think this under advisement jerkweed? Geronimo, motherfucker. And I still think it is. Like, when I watch it on Blu-ray, I'm just like, Oh, it rocks my whole house. Oh, man, it's awesome. The explosion, the sound effects, the sound design in this movie is so awesome. Except for the computer sound effects. We've determined. Obviously, somebody else was on that work. The Whopper sound effects. Uh, We don't have time for that. Uh, Here, uh, here's VHS of War Games. Just (laughs) kind of record some sounds off of that. Maybe just stock the computer sound effects they have. Yeah. Are, are you counting how many people that McLean has killed? He's he's well over five. Yeah, I know that Al, he's like... Is the building on fire? No, but it's going to need a paint job and a shitload of screen doors. Our spotters say you got two with that blast. So it's like, damn, who are those spotters? They're pretty good, aren't they? And why aren't the spotters killing those guys? <laughs> yeah, do they have sniper rifles? Sniper- that's a great point where they also show that Argyle is listening in on everything because he's like, I've got a hundred people down here and they're covered with glass. Glass? Who gives a shit about glass? Who the fuck is this? This is Deputy Chief of Police Dwayne T. Robinson and I am in charge of this situation. Oh, you're in charge. Well, I got some bad news for you, Dwayne. From up here, it doesn't look like you're in charge of jack shit. You listen to me, you little asshole. I'm a- Asshole? I'm not the one who just got butt-fucked on national TV, Dwayne. <laughs> now you listen to me, jerk-off. If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Quit being part of the fucking problem and put the other guy back on. Like Argyle's so entertained by it. Argyle loves it. Several times, Al turns the tables on Paul Gleason's character, and he just walks away because he has nothing else to say. Yeah. And he's like, Man is hurting. He is alone, tired, and he hasn't seen diddly squat from anybody down here. Now, you're going to stand there and tell me that he's going to give a damn about what you do to him if he makes it out of there alive? Just like, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, I'm out of here. When uh, he sends the bomb down and blows up the guys, the rocket launcher guys, the guy goes, Here's the artillery on us. Idiot. It's not the police. It's him. Whenever we're playing any kind of games like Battlefield, (laughs) we start referring to Die Hard And it's the guy with the long brown hair. Yeah. He's kind of the dummy of the group. He looks like he's a GQ model who they they needed an extra guy there and they just handed him a machine gun. He's like, he needs somebody below Carl. (laughs) Yeah. And then we have the scene where uh, John tries to eat a Twinkie. Oh, yeah. And then we have Al tells him everything that's in a Twinkie. He's trying to fire down a thousand year old Twinkie. What do they put in these things anyway? Sugar enriched flour, partially hydrogenated vegetable oil, polysorbate 60, and 
Yellow dye number five. Just everything a growing boy needs. All the things a growing boy needs. See, they got this big tube full of the stuff, and they just squish it in. They kind of have this rapport they build, McLean and Al, and he kind of teases them about his flat feet and his driving. Yeah, it's really well done. You actually believe it. These are scenes shot, obviously, separately. Mm -hmm. There's probably nobody on the other end of those radios, but uh, it's acted so well, it fits together perfectly. He's asking Al if he has any kids, and his wife has one on the way. And then later on, we get more of Al, but it's a more dramatic story. Yeah. But it sets the ground for stuff, which is cool. Oh, and I think that's the line where Al says to Dwayne T. Robinson, he goes, Why don't you wake up and smell what you're shoveling? <laughs> yes. That's a great line. That's after Ellis goes into... Uh, oh, yeah. Ellis goes in to talk to Hans. Yeah, he thinks he can handle the Euro trash. You use a gun, I use a fountain pen. What's the difference? Let's put it in my terms. You're here in a hostile takeover. You grab us for some green mail, but you didn't expect some poison pill was going to be running around in the building. Am I right? Hans... Bobby, I'm your white knight. The only thing white about him is the coke on his nose. What I love about that scene is before he goes in to get his uh, courage up, he takes a big snort of coke. Yeah. <laughs> a little white courage. White powdered courage. The thing that always it. cracks me up is while he's in there bullshitting with Hans, one of the henchmen brings him a coke and a glass. Yeah, and he pours it for him. It's like, yeah, oh, this is, uh, it's it's like, so hosp- wow, this is uncomfortable. So hospitable, these guys. Aren't they nice? I always think it's funny. He's like, hey, John boy. Ellis? Yeah. Now listen, John. Give me a few minutes to try to talk some sense into you. I know you think you're doing your job, John, and I can appreciate that, but you're just dragging this thing out. Now look. No one gets out of here until these guys can talk to the L.A. police, and that just ain't going to happen until you stop messing up the works. Capiche? John has no idea what Ellis has said, so he doesn't know if he knows anything about his wife yet. What did you tell him, Ellis? And then he's like, John, if you don't tell him where the detonators are, he's going to kill me. Hans is like, oh, that's a good idea. Oh, yeah, that is a really good idea. I think I will, you annoying prick. Hans... This shithead does not know what kind of man you are, but I do. Listen. Good. Then you'll give us what we want and save your friend's life. You're not part of this equation. It's time you realize that. Hey, what am I, a method actor, Hans? <laughs> Babe, put away the gun. This is radio, not television. <laughs> Hans, this asshole is not my friend. I just met him tonight. I don't know him. Jesus Christ, Ellis, these people are going to kill you. Tell them you don't know me. <laughs> John, how can you say that after all these years, huh? But it always drove me nuts, Paul Gleason's part, where he's like, do you see that? He just let him die. It's the same as pulling the trigger. Son of yeah, a bitch. That's where we get the, uh, you need to wake up and smell what shit you're shoveling. So it's interesting. They have all these dynamics. You have John and you have Hans, but you also have the cops outside. You've got Argyle. you got Theo on the uh, the drill. Yeah, you do. You've got a lot of things in play here. And you've also got Thornburg, too. By the way, yeah, and it never loses its way. Yeah, they're they're bringing up all this, and then they introduce the FBI agents. Yeah, Robert Davi, Agents Johnson and Johnson. I'm Agent Johnson. This is Special Agent Johnson. Oh, how you doing? No relation. I'm uh, I'm Dwayne Robinson, LAPD. I'm in charge here. Not anymore. (laughs) Jake Fratelli is on the case. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. 
But I love how they're like so cocky about how they're handling everything. They're so by the book and arrogant. Yeah, and it turns out that's exactly what Hans is counting on for them to yep. be to do everything that they do. And there's that great line later when uh, they cut the power. Authorization. How about the United States fucking government? <laughs> yeah. But he goes. Bastards are probably pissing in their pants right now. And they're not <laughs> at all because no, they cause counting on it. Yeah, that's what opens the vault. That is such a great scene when, remember he's like, Hans, you better have something quick because this came down like an anvil. You better have a miracle. He goes, relax, Theo. It's Christmas. It's time for miracles. And when they cut the uh, the power and the vault opens and they play the music. It's going to go. The FBI agents think they're pissing themselves, but they're celebrating. (laughs) And you see all these paintings and statues and stuff. We skipped all the way past when McLean was trying to figure out what the hell Hans was up to. Right. And he goes up to the roof. Yeah. Hans is up there also, and he introduces himself as Bill Clay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great scene because the audience knows he's uh, Hans, but John doesn't know he's Hans. But John knows something's up. There's this uh, uncomfortableness about it. What's great about that scene is you don't know how Hans is going to react. At first you're like, oh, he's toast now. John's got the drop on him. But he's like, oh, God, please don't hurt me. And <laughs> you're like, doing that so well. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, please, God. No, you're one of them, aren't you? You're one of them. No, no. Don't kill me, please. Don't, please. Don't kill me, don't kill me, please. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Relax. Relax. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to hurt you. He switches to his American accent. That that whole scene is great, I think. It is. They get to play off each other. and Hans learns so much about him right there in that that he has no shoes. Uh-huh. And that's whenever they get to that room, Hans right. tries and to shoot John. And How great is that scene? Also, he goes, you know how to fire a gun? You know how to use a handgun, Bill? I spent a weekend at a combat ranch. You know that game with the guns that shoot red paint? Probably seems kind of stupid to you. The audience is just like, no, don't give him that gun. Oops. No bullets. Fucking stupid, Hans. You're saying? And that whole gunfight scene is insanely loud. Yeah. You got the bullets in that cannon that Carl has. And then the glass. Do you think that Paul Verhoeven loves the scene where he shoots the guy in the legs? Remember yes. how the guy's running and you just see meat chunks falling oh, yeah, off his legs? That is brutal. I picture Paul Verhoeven watching Die Hard going, oh, yeah, yeah, I love it. It's <laughs> you know? John McTiernan, man, genius. <laughs> this guy, I love him. Mwah, mwah. 
John McTiernan saw uh, RoboCop that week, and he was like, I want something that gruesome in this scene. <laughs> yeah, that guy ain't walking again. And he shoots him in the legs, crashes through the glass, and then he's just down. Yeah, he's dead like, at that point. That dude, yeah, he's, he's not getting up from that. <laughs> She's some Finsta, Carl. Yes. She's some Finsta. Carl. She's Stim Finsta. Shoot the glass. Can't hear you in German for some reason. I watched Die Hard last night, in fact. It was on HBO. Yes. And I was talking with an old friend who was talking about Die Hard. Hey, you watch Die Hard every year? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, there's just this one part that drives me nuts. And I was like, oh, okay, what's that? And he goes, well, you know the part where Hans tells Carl, he goes, she's some fence to Carl. And Carl like looks at him like, huh? And he's like, she's some Fitsta. And he goes, shoot the glass. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know that scene. He goes, that just drives me nuts. And I was like, why? Well, why doesn't Carl understand him? It's German. He should have understood him the first time. It, it really just pulls me out of the movie and it drives me nuts. And I was like, I have never thought these thoughts before. <laughs> and I said, here's what I said. And I said, it's not that Carl can't understand German that's being said to him. It's because he's saying it quietly. He's saying, she's some fence to Carl. And there's gunfire going on. Carl's looking at him like, dude, I can't effing hear you, man. And he's like, she's some fence to. And he's like, I can't hear you. And then finally he gets fed up and he goes, Carl, shoot the glass. He says it out loud. Because at first he's trying to be sneaky so John McClane doesn't know what they're going to do. But then he's like, what does it matter? Just shoot the glass. You know, what do you think? Uh, I think um, what he says means shoot the windows. Right. And what he didn't actually understand was that he needed him to shoot the glass, the interior glass panels. Hans didn't have the the way of saying shoot the internal windows in German. So he oh. said shoot the windows. You don't think it's what I think is that he just can't hear them? Maybe. Well, here's the thing is that, um I have a, a a German friend. We actually talked about that. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was like at a German beer garden and they had it on. There was like choice off the fenster, you know, yeah. whatever it is is shoot the window. That's not correct. And I can't remember exactly how they said it should have been said, but it was like, that's why. Yeah. And then I immediately went home and, and Googled it and they were correct. Yeah. I just, I've never heard that, that that bothered people before. It was like, it was something like dust glass yeah. was what he should have said. Like, uh, yeah, I've always just ich, said it the way it ich sounds. Bin ein Berliner die glass. When you see German spelled out, you're like, whoa, how do you get that from this? <laughs> yeah. It sounds like he's saying she's some finsta, like just something really fast. Yeah. And, but if you rewatch the scene, Hans is saying it very quietly. He's saying she's yes. some finsta. He's sure. like whispering it to him like, Hey, I don't want John McLean to hear this because I want to pull one over on him. But then he gets fed up and just says it out loud. I think this is what happens when you see a movie over a hundred times and you're just like, you know, this part has always bothered me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, I don't have any problems with it. Yeah, I mean, I still I, don't. 
I was watching the movie really loud in my living room, and that scene where they're shooting on the glass, I was like, Jesus Christ, just like John McClane is. Yeah. Because I was like... But they handle this really well because they go from John looking at the exit and then looking at the glass... Uh-huh. And then that's it. Bang, another one of those stupid hockey pucks goes. <laughs> he's got a hockey puck, another yeah, and one. And John McLean's gone, but he leaves the detonators behind. I just want a little cutaway scene where Carl reaches into his bag and it's a ding-dong package. Hostess, <laughs> and he opens it up and pulls out the ding-dong, and then they show the sliding over. Hey, where's the cream filling? Now that's the stuff. Hostess. <laughs> Too much deliciousness. <laughs> Smile, Carl. You're back in business. <laughs> I always love that sound as Carl turns and he's pissed off because McLean got away. Yeah, and we go back down to the lobby and he's pissed off. God, that man looks really pissed. Still alive. Only John can drive somebody that crazy. That kind of annoys me, that scene. I don't know if it's just her delivery or whatever. She's like... It's her delivery. Bonnie Padilla is not good in the movie. I love Holly and everything, but... (laughs) Wait, she's not as bad as Huey Lewis, though, Bill. No, she's not. Now we have John McClane pulls himself in the bathroom. Feet are bleeding like crazy. When they show his feet slide in, it looks brutal, like how bloody his feet are. And I don't know why I always think of... He left tracks to where he is. But I guess all the terrorist guys are really busy right now. Yeah, you would think that Carl would stick around and track him. Yeah, but honestly, all Carl had to do is walk through the door and follow the blood, and he could have killed him, couldn't he? Yeah, absolutely. He's pulling glass out of his feet. He gives Al a hard time about why he's driving a desk, and he's like, I shot a kid. He's 13 years old. It was dark, I couldn't see him, he had a ray gun look real enough. You know, when you're a rookie, they can teach you everything about being a cop except how to live with a mistake. Anyway, I just couldn't bring myself to draw my gun on anybody again. What what I love about this part of the movie is it establishes that Al never wants to have to pull his gun on a person again. He never wants to kill again. He's lost faith in the system, and the system has made him lose faith in himself, I guess you would say. And McLean helps him get that faith back so he can become the man that he wants to be. So maybe by the end of the movie, Al Pal will learn to take a human life again. And it'll man, be I happy. really hope so. Isn't that funny how we celebrate that he learns to kill again? <laughs> and it reminds me of uh, He's learned Hot the Shot. true meaning of Christmas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it reminds me of Hot Shots. Miguel Ferry goes, Thank you, Topper. I can kill again. You've given me a reason to live. Good. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. God, I haven't seen that in so long. I gotta and watch then that. Then we have the total, like, Oscar clip for Bruce Willis where he's like, Tell her that, um, that she is the best thing that ever happened to a bum like me. She's heard me saying I love you a thousand times. She never heard me say I'm sorry. And I want you to tell her that, Alan. I want you to tell her that, uh, John said that he was sorry. Okay? You got that, man? 
pieces. Oh yeah, that's a great. He's got he's got tears in his eyes. He yeah. does it really well. It's a great acting scene. And I've always heard this that Terry Gilliam saw that scene and knew he wanted him for Twelve Monkeys. Oh, that's cool. Shows that Bruce Willis is more than just yeah. a, an action. Well, guy. hell, I bet a lot of directors probably saw that scene and were like, "Damn, this guy's got some chops." I just thought he sang bad music. David Addison, C.E. Group. Hey, me fellas. Look here. Seagulls. Body wine cooler. Seagulls. Body wine cooler. His wet and his dry. Body wine cooler. My, 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 my. Body wine cooler. Me and the boys. God, <laughs> the return of Bruno. When it cuts to the studio, they have the author of Hostage Terrorist, Terrorist Hostage, A Study in Duality. Dr. Hasseldorf, what can we expect in the next few hours? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, we get the same line where he goes, the Helsinki syndrome, as in Helsinki, Sweden, <laughs> Finland. Jesus, Harvey. <laughs> That is a great scene. Harvey's, and Harvey's reaction is so great because he knows he's stupid. He's fighting it desperately. The reporter comes back to uh, Thornburg and he goes, You got something. Tell me you got something. <laughs> yes. Remember that scene where John is in the bathroom or whatever, and he's crying or whatever. He also goes, The roof. Hans, what the hell were you doing on that roof? And he's got to like go back and see what it is. Yeah. And, and remember, I saw this movie six times in the theater. And it never failed. I know I'm cutting a little bit ahead here, but I'll, I'll stop after I make this point, which is when John, he lifts up and he pulls up to see what's up on the roof and you see all the C4. Yeah. I swear, every time I saw the movie in the theater, you would either hear someone go, <laughs> or they go, oh man, shit, C4. You know, you'd see here somebody. Why saying, is it that people have to do that? Like they go, that's a big twinkie. You know, That's like, what the movie is telling us. Why do we? Why does somebody have to vocalize it? That's a lot of dimp. All right, everyone's impressed by yes. your knowledge of C four. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's always some loud mouth like that in the theater. Yeah. They can't. They can't either. It's the person that laughs laughs too loud or wants to laugh louder than everyone else, or yeah, you know, just can't keep their mouth shut. Just whenever you see that scene now, where he looks at the C four, just go. That is one big pile of shit. Ooh, that's some explosives there. Man, that explosion's going to be huge. Right. So basically, Hans's idea is they've got the vault open. They've got all the stuff. I believe they're going to take it all in an ambulance, right? Yeah. They're going to take all of the hostages to the roof and do an exchange with the FBI. But in reality, what they're going to do is blow the roof, killing the FBI agent and all the hostages and escape in an ambulance, and they will spend a year sifting through the rubble. When they touch down, we'll blow the roof. They'll spend a month sifting through the rubble, and by the time they figure out what went wrong, we'll be sitting on a beach earning 20%. <laughs> yes! <laughs> exactly. I, I remember that so well, because for a while it was like, man, what's 20% of 640 million? Yeah, so, okay, so they put it in a bank in there. You know, They don't even have to spend the money. They can just spend the interest. Man, he's got this shit all worked out, doesn't he? He's amazing. <laughs> oh, and when uh, John McClane, you know, he sees all the explosives and he hops down, and he's like, "Pal, pal, listen to me. It's a double cross. The whole roof of the building fired." 
John. John. John, come in. And right then, Carl's there with his <laughs> machine gun. That skinny gun barrel pressed to his cheek. Yeah, and he's like, did you get that? Uh, some about a double cross. Yeah, tell me about it. And that's one of the best lines, too, where I love it. He goes, I was in junior high, dickhead. <laughs> All you this- almost feel bad that they get taken out so unceremoniously. Unceremon- I know. You know, you end up disliking them so much because they decide to open fire on McLean, you know? Yeah, they're like, oh, who is that guy? Yeah, they're in the helicopter discussing the stats of success and fatalities. Yeah. Figure we take out the terrorists, lose 20, 25% of the hostages. I can live with that. It's like, wow, okay. What an asshole. Well, you know, that's the government. No, so what do you think of this whole McLean and Carl fight? I thought it was rather convenient. It's pretty brutal. I like how. It's a brutal fight, but it ends in such a. Like, where the hell did that chain come from? <laughs> well, I love the way uh McLean, he's exhausted at this point, but he's sick of dealing with this asshole. <laughs> he's like, yeah. I heard your brother squeal. I broke his fucking neck. Fight itself is so, it's like you said, it's brutal, but through the entire fight, McLean vocalizes it. Carl's like doing drop kicks and judo chops. And- oh, doesn't he go like, I'm going to... Yeah, I mean, it's just constant verbalization while they're getting the shit beat out of one another. Honestly, Carl should have had the drop on him. Oh, yeah. Because he even shoots him. Remember, he picks up his gun and he shoots... I don't know if he He shoots him in the shoulder. Yeah. (laughs) He's been shot and he's also beat up. He's got bloody feet. And Carl, he's... I think up until then, he's fine. He hasn't taken any damage, right? No. But still, McLean kicks his ass. Well, they just happen to be, while they're fighting on the stairs, you know, there just happens to be a chain there connected to a pulley. I love the way he slides down the stairs, too, to gain momentum as he's yeah. sliding him. And then he slams into the wall. And I still think this to this day, when he slams into the wall, it's like, that wouldn't kill him. I don't know if it killed him, but it, it, it well, he's going to be dead well, from suffocation. Let, let me ask you this. He's got the chain wrapped around him, and he's slid yeah. into the wall. He's knocked unconscious, right? Mm-hmm. The roof gets blown, like, minutes later. How does he survive? Well, you know, when it, he comes back for the final scare, he's all charred. He's a little banged up and stuff, and he's got a blanket on, but... But he looks <laughs> charred. It looks like he's burnt, like his face is burnt. This is what I love. After he uh, kicks Carl's ass, and he goes up, Mr. Endo is coming down. You know, he's freshly eating candy bar. He's taking all the hostages up on the he's roof. Got, he's got a sugar rush. I absolutely love the gun sounds as he opens the door and McLean shoots him like 15 times or something. He was like. There's this splatter that's really I, brutal. I just love how he unloads on him right as he walks. Because he opens the door and he, he kind of goes, huh? 
he does he's some great acting in the movie wait i'm eating my candy (laughs) the candy i want a flashback in that scene to him standing in the candy bar and in his belief in karma and how he deserves to die like this because of stealing (laughs) that candy bar because he stole the candy yeah he never he could have just left 50 cents on the counter (laughs) i know but now he gets what was coming to him man he shouldn't have stole that candy so he's dead John goes up there and he's like, Where's Holly? 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 They took her! Where? The vault! Where is the vault? The 30th floor! Up the stairs! They just took her! Get downstairs! The whole fucking roof is wearing the vault! Get down! Get down! Get the fuck down! Oh, yeah, whenever he runs up on the, on the, um, helipad. Special Agent Johnson and other Agent Johnson, they're like, uh... They made us, Bureau. You got a terrorist shooting I love that whole roof sequence, by the way. Just the, It's insane. The tying of the water hose and everything. First, he's being chased around as they're shooting at him, so he can't go back downstairs the way he came. There's just no, no. time. Oh, and the worst line in the movie by Huey Lewis is all the hostages are running down the stairs because McLean sent him. He goes, There's something wrong. They're coming back. <laughs> and his gesture, he's the worst actor I've ever seen in a motion picture. He must have be related to someone involved with production. He has to. He's the, I want my bike, I want my bike. <laughs> yeah. Girl. I've only seen, I've only seen him in one other movie. Oh really? I thought this was only his only film. You're gonna crack up when I tell you the other movie. <laughs> what? Action Jackson. No. He played one of the henchmen in Action Jackson. I guess that's only appropriate. Oh my god. He must be a stunt man or something. That's He's only gotta be. Week. Like, hey, you want, you want to be in the movie? Yeah, okay. It's related to Hal Needham. I can do a southern accent. Yeah, perfect. That's a great accent. <laughs> There's something wrong. They're coming back down. Oh man, it's so bad. <laughs> God, it's so bad. You have a real problem with this man. Oh, I hate him. Whenever I watch, <laughs> whenever I watch a movie, I'm just like, oh, oh, it's too funny. <laughs> so they have the great scene where the roof blows and blow the roof. The car's up there. Blow the roof. Takes out the FBI guys. Please don't let me die. I love that whole falling down with the fire hose and just making it in through the window by shooting the glass. Oh, and I love that too when he has to kick away and then use his gun to shoot through the glass. Uh, the sound effects there too. I love them. Love it all. The and then as he makes it in, the fire hose comes free and Starts pulling him out. That's great how it starts pulling him. Because it's like after he just lived through that, oh, another dangerous thing is happening now. <laughs> and then as the uh, helicopter's crashing down along the side of the building, cut to uh, Paul Gleason going, I'm going to need some more FBI guys, I guess. That's a great line. The elevator goes, boom, and then blows up. Yeah, And he's like, hey. It's like just freaking out over everything. It's great. And we can't forget that uh, Thornburg has gone to the house and 
threaten the housekeeper with calling oh INS. God. I, I forgot about that whole scene. It's great when they're talking to the daughter on the news and Hans looks over and sees Holly looking intently on the news. He's like, wait a second. And I love the music there. The what it does is like, and then he flips open the picture and it's like, Mrs. McLean. How nice to make your acquaintance. Yeah, you're like, oh shit. Come home. Okay, and then when he grabs her and he decides he's going to take her hostage, boom, cleavage. Yep. All of a sudden there's cleavage. Well, she's in peril, so her boobs need to be in peril also. (laughs) Her boobs are in peril. (laughs) Where'd she go? After all your posturing, all your little speeches, you're nothing but a common thief. I'm an exceptional thief, Mrs. McLean, and since I'm moving up to kidnapping, you should be more polite. I'd say so. But that whole scene where, you know, he's like, (laughs) wait, do you like that scene where he's wondering what to do? He has two bullets, right? Yeah. And he looks down, he sees the tape and it does like jump cuts to the tape. Like what? Yeah. You don't get what the hell it is. is He has two bullets left and tape. Is he going to tape the bullets to something? What is he? He's going to MacGyver something or he's going to wrap his gun and send it to somebody or (laughs) season's greetings. Yeah. So when, uh, John comes in there and he's hits the kid. And also, don't forget, Argyle downstairs sees Theo loading up the ambulance. Yeah, he pulls the ambulance out of that big box truck. Right. He's like, what the hell? Don't you love that when he punches him, he kind of, Theo goes like, oh, makes like this whimper <laughs> yeah. sound. <laughs> Argyle shaking his hand. Yeah, he's oh, like, oh, man. That was a really tough punch. I didn't know I was that strong. So anyway, cut back to this scene. John has showed up and he's got his machine gun and Hans grabs Holly, right? Yes. So he's got a gun to her. And her breasts. Yes. So <laughs> cut to Huey Lewis. He's right there next to a uh, dolly or something, right? Yeah. And his gun is hanging on it. So he holds up his hands, right? But he stands there, he looks down at his gun, like, okay, my machine gun's there, and then he looks back up at John. He does it in the most obvious way possible, right? Yeah, I'm totally not going for this gun. Yeah, it's the worst acting I've ever seen. Again. <laughs> All he's got to do is look down, notice his gun, You're look so back. You're so mean! <laughs> he's got to just seem, not seem obvious about it, but he's extremely obvious about it. You got me. Still the cowboy, Mr. McLean, Americans, all alike. Well, this time John Wayne does not walk off into the sunset with Grace Kelly. It's Gary Cooper, asshole. Enough jokes. I want to talk about this scene because forever I've thought it was weird. It's when John McLean does a Jedi mind trick on Hans with his mm-hmm. laugh. What was it you said to me before? yippee ki Motherfucker. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> and then they're all like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Let's all laugh. Yay. <laughs> and they all start laughing. And you can even see Holly's like, what the hell is going on here? You know, like, 
Now, is McLean using the Force there? Yes. That's what I thought. He's using yep. the Force. He's Jedi mind trick. He's doing a laugh force push on them. Exactly. Uncontrollable laughter. And then, you know, she elbows Hans. And then what I think is funny about that scene is he pulls his gun off his back. You know, they do the reveal like, oh, he's got a gun. Happy trails, Hans. He shoots Huey Lewis. Thank God. Yes. Boom. One shot to the head. Right in the friggin' forehead, you bastard. Die, you son of a bitch. That's the power of love. <laughs> <laughs> You want a new drug? That's your drug. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I want some lead. I'm so happy to be stuck with you, dead. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. So anyway, he kills the worst actor. So this is it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. He takes a gunshot to the head. He goes, so this is it. Drops dead. That would have been great. Only people who thinks he looks like Huey Lewis would get the joke. Yeah. Everyone thinks he looks like Huey Lewis. <laughs> Since I was nine years old, I've thought he looked like Huey Lewis. There's something wrong. They're coming back down. Oh, God. Whenever I think of that scene, it drives me crazy. Oh, I have 50 bucks on this game. Oh, you know what? I think I don't like Die Hard anymore because of him. I hate the movie because of him. That bastard. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I love Die Hard. He doesn't quite ruin the movie, but he almost <laughs> does. Comes close. So uh we have Hans crashing through the window in a great scene, isn't it? Where he's yes, holding on. on to the watch. The watch. Show him the watch. Remember? Yes, show him the watch, the Rolex. What wait, what does that symbolize though, Bill? Think about it. Losing a really expensive watch. <laughs> Her career yeah. was more important up until now, but now she's removing the watch, representing her career as it careens. To the ground. Out of control. <laughs> with in a Hans. Death spiral. By the way, her job is ruined anyway, isn't it? Uh, I guess they could rent an office space somewhere, right? Well, I, yeah, I have a feeling Nakatomi Plaza is going to be uh, under some sort of investigation for a while. Undergoing renovation. It has no roof <laughs> anymore. <laughs> it has no roof. It has no, what was it, like the fifth floor completely blown out? Yeah, have you noticed, why is there so much, like printer paper falling from the sky i put this in my notes you know the dickless news van arrives john and holly make their way out and there's blank white and green paper is it the printer room was up on the roof or something is it all white and green collated paper yeah i don't understand that i can't skip over the fact that i do love the shot of hans Gruber falling to his death And I always thought he fired his gun as he was going down, but he doesn't. I just love Alan Rickman's face in that scene, because that's all you stare at, like he's like, oh, shit, you know? Yeah, and it's a really well-done shot, because it doesn't look that bad. The mat doesn't look bad at all. And you get another Paul Gleason line. Oh, I hope that's not a hostage. Yes, <laughs> he's falling. Splat. And then they all kind of do that grimace, like, oh. Ooh. But I always love the scene where they're coming out and they play the music. Da, na, na, na. <laughs> you know, everything. It's almost like it's snowing, but it's paper. I guess that maybe that's what they were going for. All the papers. Green, green and to white snow. Be like snow. Yeah. 
And you see uh, John, he's there with Holly, and he sees uh, Sergeant Al Powell. <laughs> he's like, Al? He's like, mm-hmm. They laugh and they hug. <laughs> <laughs> Holly's my wife, Holly. Holly Gennaro. Holly McClain. Hello, Holly. You got yourself a good man. You take good care of him. And don't you love the sound that Bruce Willis does? He's like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, it is. I love that. Okay, here's a where I have a problem. Uh-oh. When Carl comes out, played by Alexander Gudinoff. Yes. No longer with us. He's covered in a blanket. If you watch that scene over again, you hear a loud scream when they turn around before he's even revealed himself. <laughs> have you ever noticed that? I have. He hasn't revealed himself yet, and someone's like, ah! Okay, and here's my other problem. <laughs> why does he still have his gun? <laughs> he still has a machine gun. Why, why did they not take the gun off of the body if they assumed it was dead? I read this, and I, it makes sense that that music right there, when Carl does that, is not by Michael Kamen. It's James Horner, an unused part from Aliens. Oh. And if you listen to that music right there in that scene where he Carl's like, you know, she's like, ah! And he's like, done, pulls a blanket, he's got his machine gun. It doesn't sound anything like the rest of the score of the film. No, it doesn't, it doesn't fit. So I tend to agree that it kind of sounds like Aliens. This is where Al learns to kill again. <laughs> Takes his ass out and Take apparently out this... uses a dirty Harry's gun. Yeah, and I love the the gunshot sounds. In it's that. like boom clack, boom clack. Yeah, no other gun sounds like that in the whole movie. No, it sounds great. Yeah. John is very thankful. Of course, as, as he should be. Oh, and right before that happens, of course, I forgot about when, uh, <laughs> when Paul Gleason is like, I need to have a word with you, McLean. McLean? McLean, I want a debriefing. I want a debriefing. You got some things to answer for, mister. Ellis was murdered for one thing property damage, interfering with police business. We need to have a debrief. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, he's like going to accuse him of murder and stuff. And you're like, oh, hell no. He's the hero of the film. You're not going to treat him like that. Luckily, Carl attacked at that moment, and it all got kind of pushed aside. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. And it also saved him from getting punched by McLean, too, because he was pulling back about to punch him. Oh, yeah. Him. He's about to deck him in the face. And then we have Argyle return. He crashes through the gate, which he could have done a long time ago, couldn't he? Since well, he, he just... I don't think he wanted to damage the car, but now that it's damaged, he might as well just do it. Yeah, it's like, oh, what the hell? They get in the limo and everything's great, isn't it? Oh, no, no. you're forgetting when Holly punches Dickless. Oh, yeah. When he's like, Mr. McLean, Mr. McLean, now that it's all over after this incredible ordeal, what are your feelings? <laughs> that is always a great scene. For some I just can't get the name out of my head. That's a great scene, isn't it, when she punches him? It is. That's still she right me. hooks it, man. It's and great. I love that it's from the point of the view of the news camera that she does it. Yeah. Get that? Argyle comes crashing through the gates. I love how Al still has his gun. He's like turning around. <laughs> it's like, no, calm down, Al. It's like, it's he's, okay. he's with me. He's, with, he's me. with me. 
Argyle's like, this is their idea of Christmas. I gotta be here for New Year's. <laughs> oh, the weather outside was frightful. And shouldn't that have been the sequel to Die Hard on New Year's that same year? Yeah. I mean, sure, McLean would have been sore with a bullet wound and stuff, but he would have been okay. Being gigantic boots. <laughs> yeah. For his feet. Yeah, just soak those in ointment a couple days, and he's fine. When you start thinking about the sequel, it's just like, oh, why? Yeah. So piss poorly written. It makes no sense whatsoever. The thing about Die Hard 2, was it Die Harder? Die Hard 2, Die Harder? Your wife's plane, they're going to run out of fuel in 90 minutes. L.A. cop John McLean is back. What are you going to do? Whatever I can. Because old habits die hard. We are just up to our neck in terrorists again, John. On July 4th, Die Harder. Bruce Willis, Die Hard 2. Rated R. I think they dropped the Die Harder before release. Right. I remember the theater stand-in, too. It was the Die Hard 2 Die Harder, and it was um, John McClane in the uh, the ejection seat. Right. Which I won't even talk about that scene. Jesus. In the movie? <laughs> yeah. Or maybe I should. Remember, he gets in the, the ejection seat, and they start throwing grenades. How long does it take for those grenades to explode? How many grenades we got? Three each! Use them! Yeah, I think they had an extra long timer. According to IMDb, the budget of Die Hard was $28 million. Okay. And it made $137 million Holy shit. Worldwide. So it was successful. Yeah, more. Yeah, that's very successful. It made some cashola. But I really love Die Hard, and I can watch it. Like, you and I were talking about great Christmas movies. Die Hard is definitely a Christmas movie, isn't it? Oh, it absolutely is. It's it it's so laced with Christmas imagery and the setting, even the music. It ends with Let It Snow. Yeah. And I always sit through the whole credits, because after Let It Snow, it goes into Ode to Joy. Yeah. Which is awesome to crank that up really loud. So it's really cool. And, to yeah, have- and we may nitpick it and make fun of it, but that's just the the joy of it in the yeah. growing old with the film. I'm mostly nitpicking it, the Huey Lewis guy. I have no <laughs> problem the, with a lot of the action. You know, sometimes what that guy's real name is. What's, <laughs> the, what's his name in the movie? Oh, I don't even know. Huey, right? Yeah, his name is Huey in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I remember a guy, Marco. Yeah, and that Franco. It was Marco, Franco, Theo. Oh, his name is Eddie <laughs> in the movie. Is it Eddie? Okay. Yeah. I wanted to look him up to see uh, what else he's been in. Oh, he's been in a lot of things. I found he's, him. Now he just looks like an old uh, Huey Lewis. Let's see. There it is. Action Jackson. Die Hard. He was in an episode of Who's the Boss? 
Oh. It looks like he's been in a lot of TV shows. Yeah, a lot of TV in the 80s. I mean, how'd this guy get work? Jesus. Oh, he, he was in Sniper 2. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> awesome. Sniper he's two. He's all- <laughs> Night of the Living Dead 3D reanimation. Oh, my God. Wow. I'm going to have and to check that out. He's he's tall zombie. Yeah, he plays the role of tall zombie. That's pretty and he was in is, Race to Witch Mountain. Is Tall Zombie related to Rob Zombie? I don't know. <laughs> I think that's his young brother. His taller brother. Much taller brother. Oh, no. Jeffrey Combs is in this? <laughs> oh, come on. Guys, we've traveled back to the year 1988 to uh, visit Die Hard, and we hope you have all enjoyed this. Basically, we were just geeking out over everything, weren't we? Yeah, I mean, it's geeking out and making fun and just having fun with it because it's just such a a fun geeky movie. It's I love the one s- of our favorites. The scope of Die Hard, the way it was filmed, the anamorphic picture on the Blu-ray is awesome. It's for, gorgeous. For so many years, we had to watch shitty full-screen Die Hard on cable with the camera pan and scanning. It was horrible, terrible. I can't. I still can't get over that. That's how I initially experienced it. And oh, although yeah. I can watch it projected on a uh, big screen, it's still, I would love to see it like 35 millimeter print on a big screen one day. Yeah. You want to see it in 70 millimeter, bud. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Was it in 70 millimeter? Yeah. All in 70 millimeter six track Dolby stereo oh. that will blow you through the back wall of the theater. Die hard. Big wow. time. Just like the guy said, bag it. Big time. Big time. <laughs> you know, now I'm going to have to use big time on everything. It's it just nonsensical way. Big time. I love it. But uh, Die Hard, love it. John McTiernan, I don't think he's ever made a movie that has lived up to Die Hard. Yeah, has he ever <clears throat> recovered from Die Hard? No, he did Die Hard with a Vengeance. D- I'm not even getting into that. <laughs> well, let's uh, just say, uh... one, one thing about Die Hard... Forget the sequels. It stands on its own. Yeah, it doesn't need sequels. When, when I watch Die Hard, I never think, oh, man, now I'm going to watch Die Hard 2. I never think that. No, never. Ever. I'm always like, yeah, Die Hard, good. Okay, let me put it away. Now I'll watch Big Trouble in Little China or something like that. I never think, all right, now i got to continue this storyline and pop in Die Hard 2. It's, it's the same as Robocop. Yeah, you never end Robocop and go, all right, time for Robocop 2. Oh, man, where's he going to go next? Yeah, where's this big epic storyline going to go? Yeah, no, I never think that way at all. I'll watch RoboCop 2 when it's on cable or something, but (laughs) I just watch it to hear. Behave yourselves! (laughs) Oh, man, I need my nuke. Awesome. Well, Bill, it's been great talking about Die Hard. Who knows what movies we'll travel back in time to visit, but we hope that everybody got a kick out of it. I love watching these movies again. They all still hold up, man. Still entertaining. And what's great is, like, you and I didn't know each other at the time, but we both grew up watching these movies over and over again, and we can, like, relate to it years later, you know? Absolutely. Fantastic. Big time. Yeah. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. And uh, if you want to leave any comments, go to our nimforum.com or uh, find us on Facebook. We'd love to hear what you think of Die Hard and this show. All right, everybody, see you next time, and bag it for me. Big time.
beat it, Harvey. Now this is podcasting. They're for my wife. Yeah. She's pregnant. Yeah. Bag it. Big time. <laughs>